0: Hello, and welcome to Fireside FileMaker, a podcast with John Mark Osborne and Michael Rashad talking about everything FileMaker. Hello, this is Michael Rashad.
1: And my name is John Mark Osborne, and we decided to record this podcast after a listener contacted us about the trouble he had learning FileMaker for an internal solution he ultimately learned it but he said maybe you can help some other people who are trying to develop a solution in-house. So he basically said if only I'd known where to get good information and how to go about it, I could have been more successful more quickly. So that's kind of the idea behind this podcast is to help point you in the right direction, give you some of our input, our insights and that will help you get going the direction that you want. So here's the premise of this podcast. You own a company Or maybe you're an employee at that company and you get tasked, either the owner, it's often the owner, by the way, but sometimes it's one of their employees. I've seen, uh, you know, administrators and, uh, you know, secretaries and people, admins, you know, all trying to get FileMaker done and they they shove it on their desk and say, do it. And they're like, where do I start? And they have to build that FileMaker solution because they've been asked to or they need to. But there's a fork in the road that you have to decide on. Should I build it myself, meaning that you have to learn FileMaker, or should I hire a consultant? Which direction do you go? So hopefully that will be something that you'll figure out from listening to this podcast, how much work it is to be a FileMaker consultant or to be at least competent enough to build a solution of the caliber you want for your company. Or should I try to get a consultant? So that's really the thing you have to wrestle with right at the beginning right there. It definitely is the most important thing. You have to have the time to be a FileMaker developer, even an in-house developer, depending on the complexity of your job or the tasks at hand. And if you're not, you should hire a consultant.
0: Right. And it also depends if you're going the learning FileMaker, it's how much time do you actually have to spare? Because it is a very time consuming and it's a long road you can't learn FileMaker in a week or a month or even a year you can learn a lot but you won't learn enough to be a really competent developer you've got to spend years and thousands of hours and if you own the company can you justify spending the time is it the best use of your time as an owner I mean, you obviously, when you start a business, you have some expertise in that business or some knowledge and the revenue you generate for that business will probably fall firmly on your shoulders. So can you afford to spend time learning something that you may only use for this one particular project?
1: I think that's two very good points, Michael. And you've got to consider the the second point you made is really the economics. You are an expert probably in whatever field you're in. You're not an expert necessarily in FileMaker. Is it best to spend your time doing that or hire somebody who already has that expertise? And you're probably looking at, well, I have to spend thousands of dollars for somebody else to do it. And I can do it for free. So maybe you're a workaholic, kind of like Michael is, and you don't mind working uh, late nights and things like that. But if you're not, and you want to spend time with your family, you really need to go ahead and consider, is it worth your time?
0: Right. And I will add a corollary to this is that, and I know this is a truism, but a lot of people who own their own businesses don't value their time. They don't put a price on an hour's work. And they really must do, because if they don't do that, they have no metric to to decide whether the time they're spending is a good use of their time. So you owners and business people need to put an hourly rate on their time and calculate everything, the cost of everything based on that hourly rate. Now, yes, you're not paying that amount out because it is your company but nevertheless, you've still got to value the time and put a price on it so you can justify taking that action one way or another.
1: So uh, just a translation on that word he just said, it was corollary. Um, just for all the mostly United States folks that are listening, just want to make sure <laughs> you understood, <laughs> no. <laughs> and so the other point that you made with the first one was, you know, how much time do you have to spare? Well, it also comes down to underestimating how much time it actually takes to build a FileMaker solution. That's based on the complexity. If you're doing a simple little contact manager that's going to take you know anywhere from 5 to 10 to 20 hours, you can probably do it with very little investment in FileMaker. You can even grab one of the templates that come with it. But if you're talking more tables, 5, 10, relationships, maybe a, a, a join table and things like that, that's going to take a ton of time, and a lot of people underestimate their project. And you've got to, and that, and that's difficult to uh, to do to un, you know to estimate it correctly when you don't have the experience. And so you've really got to listen to this carefully, bef- you know, this podcast before you decide I can do it. It's it's going to take a lot of time. We'll talk about that uh, amount of time in in a few minutes.
0: It really comes down to. As a professional developer, you and I and all the other people and we know and in this business have spent years honing our skills, and in the process, we've learned how to estimate very, very accurately. But somebody coming in without much knowledge will have
1: absolutely no idea how to calculate that. None. I totally agree, and and, and even when we're telling you this, people are still going to underestimate how much time and effort is going to take to learn FileMaker and then program it. But we'll get back to this. We're going to make this point several times throughout this podcast because it's very important because people are constantly doing it. I talk to people all the time. I start a project. I can't get it done. And then I look at what they've done. I go, we have to start over. I just worked on a project yesterday. Somebody who's, you know, non-profit. So they're trying to save money, but they're trying to build something beyond their means. And they wanted me to fix it. And I said, I really can't fix it. There's major structural problems here. I think you need to start over and say, hey, okay, I I am throwing this away, but I learned a lot going forward. So don't think of it as throwing something away. Think of it as you got a lot of knowledge and you're starting over doing it the right way this time. But we'll get more into that. How did you learn FileMaker, Michael? What kind of things did you do?
0: Well, I'm completely self-taught. I suspect that I'm the same as you, John. I spent. 16 hours a day, seven days a week for the first two years, just working in FileMaker, developing my chops, finding, pushing myself to find solutions for solutions that grew ever more complex and literally making thousands of mistakes, things that didn't work the way I wanted them to. And I'd have to go back and retry it. So it was the school of hard knocks. There's no other way to describe it.
1: So it would be interesting if you could take that job that you did, that very first job when you're first learning FileMaker, and bring it all the way to the current day, how much faster you could probably do it now, how much less mistakes, and how much better would be. You'll probably pick it apart, whatever that solution was before.
0: Oh, well, I think you can pick apart solutions that you did as recently as two years ago. All of us. I think, you know, as every day we learn something new, almost every day, and Whenever we look at a solution we've developed in the past, we look at it from the perspective of more knowledge that we have now and better ways of doing things. And so I don't think you can ever look at a solution in the past and go, yeah, that was absolutely perfect because there are always ways to improve it. And our knowledge is always growing so that's my thoughts on it.
1: I couldn't agree with that more. Even the last solution I did, I could do something a little bit better here and there. It's, it's, it, and it builds up as you're going through the years that you get more and more knowledge. So yeah, even the last solution I did, there's always improvements, always ways to learn and improve yourself. So as far, as for me, I had a very unorthodox method for, learning FileMaker. It's it's similar really to Michaels, it's the School of Hard Knocks. But I started with FileMaker working at San Jose State and I was an assistant to the dean there and they basically had me threw me this FileMaker database and said these labels aren't working and I learned a lot about labels. Uh, and you know, I fixed that and then I decided uh, later on to try to get a job at Claris because I respected the company. I'd use FileMaker and all those products. So I spent five years in technical support and they basically stick you on the phone, or at least they did when they had that technical support inside of the company. They say sink or swim, basically. And you get support from the guy sitting across from you and there's technical articles to read and things like that, but it was basically sink or swim. So it was a school of hard knocks and I learned a lot. So I've had no formal training classes, no books. I don't really watch videos. I know this is really not an option for most folks, but you've got to understand from from the realistic point of view that trial and error, the pain of making mistakes, is what really gives you retention of that information, the best understanding of it. Just watching a video and expecting they're going to be able to go ahead and use that information right away either requires you have that knowledge before or that you try it out and test it and work with it and look at it from different point of views. Nobody's going to be able to explain a technique perfectly for you and give you every little last detail, a crumb of information that will require you to completely understand a technique that you might see in a video or read in a book. You have to really do it yourself.
0: Yeah, and in fact, I almost wonder if we should call this podcast trial and error because it is really, in my opinion, it's the only way anybody can learn FileMaker.
1: Yeah, videos and books will only point you in the right direction. They'll give you heads-up knowledge, but you have to do this stuff. And I know people who watch my videos, because I talk to a lot of them, will skip around and just go to find out the information they want. And the reason I do the videos the way I do, which are, are a tutorial and not a reference, is because you need to learn everything before I get to you know, the middle of the alphabet, you have to go to A, B, C, D. You have to go in that order. I teach it in order that helps you to understand where to go. And even then, you still have to, I keep telling them throughout the videos, you got to do this on your own. You got to build the solution, not just watch the video.
0: A video will only give you something to think about and an idea that you can run with, but you've got to run with that physically inside a solution, even if that solution is just to understand and get to grips and master that particular element that the video is talking about. I often do that. I just create a solution to test something that I've seen and then I throw it away. But I've learned by the time I throw it away, I've already learned everything I need to know about taking that idea or that concept and putting it into
1: practice. Right. So what Michael and I wanted to do was tell you a little bit about how we learn FileMaker. It's not going to work for everybody except really the school of hard knocks part, but we'll get come back to that again. But you need, I think, no, needed to know that before we talked about the fork in the road. Do you hire a consultant or do you learn FileMaker? Well, first of all, Michael and I, I think we've combined 60 years worth of development and we did a lot more work you know, at the beginning, I was doing the 16 hours a day, uh, six to seven days a week like him. And we really look, we, we ingrained FileMaker. I mean, and in tech support, I was I was doing, you know, all day long. And then I come home and I do my databasepros.com website. So we did that much work. So we've done that. And we wanted to give you that, fir- that first, but, and we'll come back to how to learn FileMaker if you want to make that commitment and know how long we've been doing this, which is, you know, m- multiple decades to get to where we're at. We're not saying it's going to take you necessarily that long to do what your project is. But if you want to know a lot about everything and be able to develop any solution that somebody calls you about, you're going to need decades of experience in order to do those kinds of jobs. You may not need that maybe just a couple of years for the kind of job you're doing, but you do need that. So you do need to consider before you make that commitment to look at the possibility of hiring a consultant. In fact, you might want to go both routes see if you can find a good consultant, see how much the project's going to cost, and then decide how much time you have to put towards it and try to guess that and, and compare the two approaches. But let's talk about hiring a consultant. So the probably the most obvious way or the best way to hire a consultant is go to the FileMaker.com or Claris.com website, they're the same, and search for FBA members, FileMaker Business Alliance members. It's going to get you to people who have paid their $500, a year. And also, it's not just paying the money. You also have to give examples of your work and references and things like that. So people are serious about FileMaker development. It doesn't mean you're going to get the best developer. There can be bad developers up there, but it it does reduce that chance that you're going to get a bad developer. And so it's really a great thing to just go up there and search for somebody and realize you don't have to necessarily find somebody in your local city. You can go a couple of cities away. I do almost all my development remotely over go to and things like that. I talk to people. I never see them. I just do all that work. So don't limit yourself to people locally, but you you certainly can find a good local developer too, and that might be helpful to do uh, face-to-face with them, but don't limit yourself.
0: Yeah, I don't think that... I think having somebody on a face-to-face basis is, is nice in theory. Is it necessary in practice? Absolutely not. With video conferencing, screen sharing... All of the modern technologies that we have at our fingertips, we can. it's just the same as being in an office with somebody without having to make the effort to go there.
1: Except you get to be in your shorts and a t-shirt if you want.
0: Well, that's the advantage. You don't have to go there, and you can wear shorts and t-shirt, and you can be as scruffy as you possibly want, unless you're doing a video conference, in which case you should probably shave, unless you're a girl.
1: But face-to-face is overrated, in my opinion you don't need it and people are caught up in it that they have to have somebody local and really what you want is somebody trustworthy so you want somebody who you know has a history of development that doesn't necessarily mean need to be an fba member because we know that you're not an fba member michael right correct so michael's just got a history of doing good work he's got you know referrals from his, the companies he's worked for. He's got project products. You can see he's written books. You know, that's what you want to look for. Somebody, you don't want to just hire somebody. I've seen people hire somebody who's never done a FileMaker project before. Why did they hire him? Oh, he was $25 an hour it was a great deal. Well, you're getting what you pay for, so watch out. Even if you pay $150, it's probably going to get more work, better work than that $25 an hour guy. In reality, seriously, because that person who's charging $150 an hour probably has a decade's worth of experience and knows how to do everything very quickly and efficiently and correctly.
0: That's the key point there, is it's not what an hour costs. It's what gets done in an hour. Now, I know because I've been told this by people who've watched me work that I work very fast. And I'm not aware of that because I'm involved in it. But outside people do see how fast your hand moves and. And all of the stuff and if I work twice as fast as somebody who's charging twice half as much as I am who are you paying more you're not you're paying the same amount exactly
1: yeah I've, I've uh, I when I do my videos I have to I have to literally take a deep breath and slow myself down so I don't go too fast and you know not just the talking part but the movement of my mouse and it took me a long time to do that to get to a different mode than my development mode. And when I'm in my development mode and somebody's watching me on GoToMeeting, they sometimes say, wow, you're making me dizzy, John, because, I, you know, because sometimes I'll do something in front of somebody because, it, you know, rather than write it down, I'll just do it on their database right there. And they'll, they'll say, wow, I didn't even see what you did. You went so fast. So, you know, that experience really helps out a lot. And you need to look for that experience. It's not, it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, that some, you have to find an FBA member. It's a good place to start. You could also ask for a re- recommendation. Now, that's might be tough. It might not apply to everybody because there's uh, you know, where do you go? Who do you ask? Right. And I think this is one of the points that you made, Michael.
0: Exactly. Unless you know somebody who's developed or had a FileMaker solution developed, you're in a bit of a downside i mean you can search for you know filemaker on google in your city and see if somebody turns up i mean there are lots of ways to you know to find consultants but the key thing is if you're going to hire somebody you need to hire somebody who knows what they're doing because otherwise you're just going to end up throwing money down the drain and i've seen this time and time and time again and so has john
1: so if you're lucky enough to know somebody who has a good filemaker consultant, I did the same thing with my backyard that I recently uh, gutted and redid, and we knew somebody, a friend, who had hired a, a person three times to do three different properties for them. They had moved a lot, and they really liked them, and they the work turned out great because we got a recommendation. So if you have that, you know, ask your friends. You know, a filemaker guy. You know, have you had any work done, and and you know use those connections if you happen to have them, because that's sometimes word of mouth is the best way to find somebody good. I know that you and I get a lot of word of mouth, uh, you know, referrals from, from our customers. Yep. So you can go to Google and you can search for a FileMaker consultant. You might type in FileMaker consulting or FileMaker developer, and you can find people that, but you still need to vet them you still need to check on their credentials, check on their past history, their work, make sure they didn't just start developing yesterday. A lot of developers try to do that. They try to get in the market and they try to charge 150 bucks an hour and they have six months of experience or none, no experience. I mean, see, I see it all the time. It gives FileMaker a bad name because people think, wow, FileMaker is really easy to get into. And it is, you know, to do simple projects. But then when they're That developer who has very little experience is giving something with more than a handful of tables. All of a sudden, you get something that's not really designed well.
0: Yeah. Unfortunately, one of the things that I've noticed with FileMaker is people develop a solution that sort of kind of works, and they pat themselves on the back and they say, I'm an expert and it couldn't be further from the truth
1: it's kind of what what uh it's what you don't know is really what it comes down to you think you really know stuff and i and i think the smarter or the better maker we've gotten we've realized how much we don't know over the years it seems like the the smarter and maker i get the dumber i feel because i know less and less and less
0: well there's there's some truth to that there definitely is
1: so we also talked about not needing to be local and i want to you know tell a little story about a client I'm working for right now which is a company over in Japan and there's a vast difference in the time zones when he's waking up I'm about ready to leave work or it's the late afternoon but it works out you know we spend a couple of hours um, every other day usually working on this they've decided to hire me by the hour rather than to by you know the job and I kind of you know Michael and I've talked about this and I, I prefer that method I think you get better work out of it that way in a lot of ways by going by the hour because it it, it really ends up be, being less expensive. But I don't want to get too far off on a tangent. But my whole point is, is that we do everything through GoToMeeting. We don't spend any money on phone calls because we're using the internet. We're using this technology to work together at a long distance and I'm working on his project and why? Because he wanted to have somebody good. He'd he'd had somebody in Japan develop a solution. Uh, I'm not going to disparage anybody, but it didn't come out the way he wanted. We started off from scratch and it's looking a lot better and the way he wants it. There are of course some, some things that are, are limitations, but I think finding somebody good who knows what they're doing and is really interested in your project is way more important than proximity
0: yeah you have to find somebody who you really get along well with and how you define that is you just have to feel comfortable talking to them you have to you have to feel comfortable with that person and their expertise and that they understand your business because we are ultimately business consultants we develop Farmaker solutions but we're business consultants
1: yeah so there's that that expertise that you need to have, as well as feeling comfortable about how they their business works and how that person deals with you and interacts with you. That's all important stuff. And people sometimes don't spend enough time looking at who they want to hire. So you should definitely call multiple companies. There's no doubt about it. You can't expect each one of them to give you a quote because there's a long process that we'll talk about in a second of developing a quote. Unless you're working by the hour, you can certainly ask them for their hourly rate. But as we've already told you, hourly rates don't mean that much because it all depends on your experience. And so if you're charging twice as much as somebody else, but you can work four times as fast, you're getting a better deal with the guy who charges more, right? So it's hard to determine you know, exactly the price of a, of a project from three different companies asking them to bid on it, because in, from my point of view, if I know that they're, uh, that somebody's asking for a bid from a whole bunch of different people, I just won't bid on it. It's just not worth my time because I'm not in the, I'm not in the, the business of trying to be the low-cost provider of FileMaker Solutions. I'm going to provide a really well-created FileMaker solution myself, and it, it's, it's going to be at a reasonable cost. Trust me, that's my most important thing, but I'm not willing to try to underbid somebody. Yeah,
0: the moment you get into a bidding war or willing to compromise on what your hourly rate is or what your normal rate is, then you lose. And you don't gain anything by trying to win that war. If you want to harm me, you pay my price. If you don't want to harm me or you can't afford to harm me, then find somebody cheaper, but you're taking a risk.
1: Exactly. Well said. And one of the things you can check for is, like we said, FBA membership. But that doesn't tell the whole story necessarily, as well as certification. Now, certification—we actually did a podcast on this already, and it's a really good subject. Does certification make you a good developer? Yes and no. It—it—it it, it, it means you can you can answer multiple choice or multiple guess questions, as I like to call them and it's the same as getting to the fba yeah you have to have a you know you have to have some knowledge to pass that and you have to have some knowledge to get into the fba and and knowledge to pass that certification test but developing a good solution is so much more than just having that knowledge but they can to some degree help you identify somebody who might be good
0: that's yeah might be good and that might is the operative word i mean you and i as we've discussed and Anybody who hasn't listened to the podcast we did, which is going to be released on, I think, the 25th of September. So this will be sometime back from the time this one is released, needs to listen to that because there are pluses and minuses, pros and cons. I'm not certified. I haven't been certified since FileMaker 9. I'm not an FBA member, but I've got the experience and the background that I'm a, a viable candidate to be hired. So it, it those two elements aren't an essential. They're just a guide.
1: Yeah, so I think what, what we're saying is don't use certification and FBA membership as the only test for somebody. They really shouldn't be the only test. Sure, it's nice that they're FBA and and that they're certified, but does it mean they can produce a solution? Maybe they just read the entire professional FileMaker training series and memorized it and then passed the test. Who knows? I mean, I'm, I'm joking a little here, but you want somebody who has multiple jobs under their belt. They've been doing this exclusively for years. That's who's going to be the person who is going to get the job done. You know, even look at their website. Do they have a nice looking website? Uh, you know, is it up to date? I mean, there's so many things that can tell you whether somebody's into that, you know, go to their website. Are they doing more than FileMaker? I mean, that's all I do at my website. Wouldn't you want somebody on a FileMaker project to only do FileMaker? That would make sense because if you're multitasking, trying to do FileMaker and Salesforce and, and who knows what other technologies out there, you're really doing all those jobs less well than if you just focused in on one product like I've done and you've done for the last 25 years to 30 years.
0: Yeah, I don't necessarily agree with you 100% on that because we all have the ability to be good at multiple disciplines. If you have a specific mind that works that way, you can be very competent in a number of different disciplines. But you do need to have specific FileMaker expertise and have been developing for several years before somebody should hire you.
1: Yeah, this is, my analogy would be, I'm going to a doctor who's going to treat me for some ailment, but half the time he works as a grocery, you know, packer. Uh, it, to me, I want somebody who's a full-time doctor. That's my point of view on it. I think you need to have that when you're talking about something as technologically deep as FileMaker.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Good analogy too.
1: You know, I get it people can multitask but I'm just giving you my opinion and and you know obviously knowing something like javascript or php is going to benefit their filemaker knowledge so I get what you're saying as well they they can have different technologies under the belt because it works with filemaker but I really want somebody who's doing filemaker most of the time is what it comes down to.
0: Right. And we are both from the very beginning we've always adopted native filemaker technologies so we focus on what FileMaker can do inter- internally without having to learn another language. And then, if you have to learn another language, is that going to benefit you? Do you have the time? Do you? Is there a? Can you justify spending that time learning that other technology? And for for me, for the most part, I can't.
1: I agree. So one of the things that people forget to do is to look at some of the work that the 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 company that you're going to hire has done. If you don't do that, you don't, you, you may be thinking they're going to build you a, a one story house and you get a two story house. Cause that's the way they built. There's not one way to build a FileMaker solution. So make sure you look at the work. Maybe sh- make sure you like their interface, make sure you like their philosophy on how they program stuff. There's lots of things to consider. And if you see solutions from three different companies, you're probably going to, you know, go towards, uh, you know, a solution or a company that where you like the way they design the interfaces. And so that's an important aspect that you can't forget to do.
0: Yeah. The interface is really, in my opinion, it's the most important part of any project. It's where I start and where I end. And there are people who, and we've talked about this in other podcasts, there are people who just don't pay that much attention to the interface because they're focused on the functionality. But if the user doesn't feel comfortable or doesn't understand how everything is working and they have to really work at it, then you're heading towards a failed project.
1: Now, another thing you should also do is ask for references. That doesn't mean you're necessarily going to get them. I don't like to give out the phone number to my clients. I'll put the companies I worked for, and there's a long list on my website, but I don't necessarily allow them to contact them and talk to them. I let other things do the talking so you may not get those references it all depends on how they they work you know they've got to get the permission of that person you know that client to allow people to contact them and things like that you may see work from that client that's more likely uh, of a type of a reference you know see the actual work that they did for that client but getting to talk to that client is probably not going to happen it, it, it's more of a, a reference, I think is more of a, a real life scenario in, in other businesses. Like if you want to get a contract or something like that uh, to work on your house.
0: Right. And then what I try and do is when I'm talking to a potential client, I always try to set up a screen sharing session so that I can show them something that is relatable to them and their project. And because I've got such a, a library as you do, John, of projects we've done I can almost always find something that they'll be able to go oh yeah I get that that's kind of sort of what we're looking for so you can definitely let your work do the talking and you know in that conversation you're being able to answer specific questions and share things and you know and get them to feel comfortable with hiring you
1: so we've gone on for a while about how to hire a consultant, how to find a company to develop your solution. But again, at the beginning we said, okay, there's a fork in the road. Do you hire somebody? Well, hopefully if you decide to hire somebody, you have some more ideas about what you need to ask them, what you need to do, how to find them, things like that. Let's start talking about if you decide economically it makes sense for you to have it, the job done internally, how do you get to know FileMaker if you don't know anything about it? You understand if you've listen to our our podcast on WIP, Workplace Innovation, that FileMaker is a great solution for people to learn. It's much easier than any of the other products out there. You're going to be able to work with it, but you still have to give it some time. And the first thing you have to ask is how complicated is the job? If it's a table, one table or two tables, then you can probably handle it as your first project and will have no problems at all. If it's more tables than you need to get a project or two on, you need to get it. Well, if there's more table or if there's more tables than let's say six or something, five, it, it, it's hard to say exactly. Then you need to get a couple of projects on your table before you tackle that. No amount of reading is going to substitute for that type of experience you need to get it first and so you've got to decide first if you're going to learn it how complicated is it? how much how much learning am i going to have to do
0: yeah and there's a lot of stuff that you just need to know to be able to even develop a relatively simple solution i mean there are, you can develop a solution that will kind of work sort of but will it be optimally designed if you don't know what you're doing or haven't done it for very long probably not will you find yourself down a blind alley that there's no way back out of quite often. I certainly did.
1: Yeah. I mean, things like uh, even on a simple solution, you have to know what record locking is, right? Yeah. If you don't know what that is, you're probably going to mess something up with a script or something like that and create a solution that that loses data because that script can't run on locked records. So you're absolutely right. I never thought about it that way, but you have, even on a simple solution... There are certain things you have to know to get that job done.
0: Right. So here's a classic example of that. When you use go to related record, and let's say you're using go to related record to go to a set of set of records in another table and then delete all of those records. If you just do that without checking to see that there are related records, you can end up going nowhere and deleting all of your main records.
1: And that's pretty easy to do, actually, because you don't think about that situation you think there's always going to be records in this portal, right? But sometimes there might not be, and somebody can still click on that button and then delete all of, your, all of the records, yeah.
0: Yeah, so, you know, and that's a simple thing that you and I do without thinking. But for somebody coming new to it, they wouldn't know how to do that. And that's a mission-critical function that you could end up destroying all the data you've spent months or years collecting.
1: And hopefully you have a backup, right? Hopefully. Something that you as a non-developer might not have thought about that I need to make backups or that how to set up FileMaker server properly to do the backups or maybe you're just using FileMaker or maybe you have it on a file server and you're not, you know, networking it properly. There's all kinds of things that could go wrong even on a simple solution.
0: Right. And so one of the things that we've always told over the years, and I think it has changed, but if if a solution, if FileMaker crashes while you're working on something, that solution has been damaged. You should not continue to use that solution. You should go back to the last good backup you had before FileMaker crashed. Now, FileMaker doesn't crash very often, but it does happen. And for that reason, when I'm developing Every 20 minutes, I'm saving a copy of that file to my Dropbox folder. And if FileMaker crashes, I throw away all the work that I've just done, and I go back to the last backup. Because that way, I always know I'm working with a pristine, clean, secure, and safe copy.
1: So it only kind of change your definition a little bit. It's possible that it's damaged, but you don't know. So therefore, you have to assume that it's damaged. And that's why you get rid of it.
0: Absolutely. You must assume that it is.
1: Yeah. in, it, in nine, 99 times out of 100, it might not be, but it's that one time that that corruption gets in there. You don't notice it because it opens up fine. And then two months down the line, all of a sudden it starts crashing or or you know who knows what's going to happen. You've got to be careful about how uh, you you treat filemaker files, and if they crash, you don't use them anymore. That's just the rule of thumb, and and you might not know this if you don't have that filemaker knowledge. And even on a simple project, this can cause you grief because you could have a simple contact manager as names, addresses, and phone numbers. It crashes. You don't know that that's a bad thing, and then all of a sudden you lose all that data or you have to revert to a backup or who knows what, and you don't want to be in that situation. So I think that's a good point that you brought up, Michael, about even simple solutions need a uh, some substantial level of knowledge to make sure that you don't, you don't uh, mess things up.
0: Right. So I'm going to give you an analogy because this is the best way I can find to describe things. Let's say your FileMaker solution crashes and you just open it back up and carry on using it, and it crashes again, and you keep on doing this. Well, it's rather like you being in the street and somebody hitting you with a stun gun. You're going to go down and you're going to be groggy, but in five minutes or so, you're going to get up. But if you keep getting hit by that stun gun charge, there is a point where your brain will be fried and you won't be able to get up again. And this is what will happen, can happen, with the FileMaker solution, that you are just letting the damage accumulate. And in FileMaker, you will eventually get the message of death. This file is damaged beyond repair and cannot be used, and you cannot get in and get the data out and move it into a clean copy. So don't take that risk ever.
1: Sounds like you have some experience with stun guns. How many times have you been hit in a row?
0: Well, I'm usually the one with the stun gun, John.
1: (laughs) So people are thinking, you know, first of all, it sounds like we're telling you not to learn FileMaker and develop a solution internally. That's not what we're telling you. We're trying to make sure that you give it the proper amount of time. And so what some people try to do is they try to cut corners and they go out and buy one of the many templates that are on the market and try to use that as the basis for their FileMaker project. And the number one reason that I do not like that is because you don't know what's going on inside of the solution. You don't know the nuts and bolts. I always recommend that you build your own template or in some way learn that template inside and out. I'm not sure if that's even possible because somebody else programmed it. Or just start it from scratch. It's really really not a good idea to have this mysterious stuff working in the background because ultimately it's going to cause you a problem at some point.
0: Right. The only templates I use, and I just detest the word template, so I'm going to call it a starter solution because that's what it is, really. The only time I ever use a starter solution is when I've developed that solution myself and... I can use part or all of that solution on another project to save me time which saves the client money
1: which all developers do right
0: yeah exactly you know and the thing is that if you don't build it you won't internalize it it's the same as trying to learn by just watching a video you have to build it you have to try it you have to fail And eventually, you will succeed. And at the point that you succeed, you will have internalized and memorized that. And you'll know how to do it the next time. Now, the next time will be slightly different, most likely.
1: So I think a good way to summarize it is starter solutions or templates or whatever you want to call them are shortcuts for people who already know all that stuff already, not for people who don't know. You don't grab that, oh, I'm developing like a, you know, professional developer because I have this great template. That's not what they're really there for. And people sometimes think that's the way they can use them.
0: And some of these starter solutions that are available that you can just buy a license or even get a free one, they're so complicated and convoluted that trying to learn from them or customize them is often outside the ability of, of newbies and even professional developers. There are certain solutions that I won't even touch. I won't look at. We wanted to customize this. No, sorry, not going to do it.
1: I think the best you can get out of a template or a starter solution is simply looking at it and learning from it and then building your own template based off some of the ideas you got from it. You really shouldn't use it as the basis for your own development. I just, I can't say that enough. Right. So if you have a complicated solution You've determined you, you know, that you have, you know, you at least have five or six or seven or ten tables or something like that. It's not a very simple project. How many hours is it going to take you to do a mid-level, you know, technical level solution? Is it 10 hours a week, 20 hours a week, 30 hours a week, 40 hours a week? We already told we already told you what, you know, Michael and I did. But if you're trying to do something maybe that's, you know, not too difficult, how much time do you have to spend? And I would say the minimum that you could get away with, and I know Michael's going to disagree with this, but I'm going to say it anyhow, the minimum you can get away with for a, a mid-level solution will be probably 10 hours a week for about six months before you're ready to design that. And That means that you've designed a bunch of other solutions to start off before that. You know, there might be simpler to just get your, you know, to get that knowledge built up and to get that experience.
0: Right. So I don't disagree with you. But I will say that with experience, a simple solution will likely take 20 to 50 hours. You can't really do very much quality work in under 20 hours. And and it's not just the, the database. It's the design. It's the scripting. It's the functionality. There's a lot of things into it. So 20 to 50 hours for a simple solution, a medium solution, 50 to 100 hours. And a complicated solution can take 300 hours or more. I've got one solution I've spent over a thousand hours working on.
1: Yep. And and I was more talking about how much learning time does it take you to get there? So just so if, if anybody's confused there, he, Michael was talking about one thing is about how long it takes to develop that solution, which equates really to how much you need to learn to do that. But i'm talking my 10 hours a week for six months is before you even start developing those solutions he just outlined for you
0: exactly you've got to go through that learning curve and got to just get experience under your belt and lots of disparate projects something can be something small it could be a little bit complicated the more complicated it is the more you will fail and more you will get things wrong so you have to learn what those things are and what not to do.
1: So the latest craze with learning FileMaker and other things are videos. I mean, YouTube is everywhere. There's tons of companies out there like Udemy and lynda.com. I've got my own private website, which is the Philosophy of FileMaker, which has my videos. All these places are great for getting information, but you've got to realize it's not going to substitute for good old-fashioned getting down in the trenches and working on a FileMaker database. You can't just watch a YouTube video and go, "Ooh, I know how to program FileMaker.
0: No. And there are also, YouTube is an incredible resource and you can find a video on any subject you want. But there are many, many bad videos. And I've seen some horrendous videos on FileMaker. I remember watching one that took 32 minutes to describe what a join table was, and I went and did this, did a video explaining what a join table was in three minutes. I don't know why anybody would want to spend that much time explaining a simple concept. So you've got to be very analytical, you've got to be very critical, you've got to take it with a grain of salt, and you've then got to do it yourself to test out the theory. My pet peeve on YouTube and the videos that I see is people moving their mouse around like a demented rabbit. You know, I when I'm making a video, I've taken my hand off the mouse. The moment I moved it to where I wanted to go, my hands way away from it. So I I can't have that nervous twitch.
1: Yeah, I used to have a manager down at uh, the University of California, Santa Barbara, when I worked in their computer lab. And as you talk to him, he would half stare at you, half stare at a screen and select text that was on the screen over and over and over again. He'd select, select, select. It's kind of the same idea, except in a video because people have this nervous energy. It's it's crazy. But, uh, you know, I think what we want to say about videos is they're great. There's no doubt about that. You can learn a lot of information, but they're really just going to point you in the right direction. They're not a substitute for real knowledge. And let's talk about books. The, in my opinion, I think I might've convinced Michael this, the age of the book is gone. Why? Because technology moves so fast. Right now, FileMaker publicly has said in over the last five releases, has said that every release is, uh, release is going to come every year. That's, in, that's different than it was 10, 15 years ago when there was a release every three years. And you could write a book, a really technical book, a cool book, and have it have a long shelf life and sell before the next version came out. You can't do that anymore. So the book, I, there's not a lot of good books out there, unfortunately. that's because nobody can write one in the amount of time that they need. So you really need to look at things like blogs instead. To get pertinent information for current versions of FileMaker, because people just aren't writing books anymore. It's not going to happen anymore. It's going to be blogs and videos and things you can put out more quickly in disc- in discrete chunks. You know, you can't write a book is an undertaking. It took me a year just to write a book with the CD-ROM, and that was with the help of somebody else. I, an entire year, and we did other things, but it took in a tremendous amount of time. It, the next version of FileMaker would be out by the time I got done so it's just not going to happen
0: yeah it's it is tricky and you know i've written several books on filemaker and you know i've got another one that i'd like to publish but i just don't see the point in publishing it because nobody will buy it and it's not that the content will be out of date because i'm talking about stuff that's generic and general and ideas and concepts that are universal and cover multiple different uh, Versions of FileMaker, but the market has just disintegrated for for books on it.
1: Well, I think people see that number on there: FileMaker 17, FileMaker 18, whatever numbers on there, and they go, "Well, I've got FileMaker 18, or I've got FileMaker 16. Why would I, I might want a FileMaker 17 book?" It's just this. It's just blocks them from from using it, even though what you say is absolutely true. And I tell people all the time, the core functionality of FileMaker has been there even before FileMaker 7, all the way back to FileMaker 3.0. In FileMaker 3.0, they vastly changed how it worked, introducing relationships. They introduced the modern script uh, workspace, which is called ScriptMaker back there. All this stuff was introduced. It's, 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 everything stems from there. I know that I'd rather be using FileMaker 18, don't get me wrong, but some of these concepts you use go all the way back to FileMaker 3.0. Let's talk about Google. I love Google for learning, and and again, it's it's not it's not for learning everything, but it's for adding to your knowledge. So you go, oh, I wonder why this is happening. Let me Google it and see if I can find something. I always start off FileMaker and then whatever file I want to find. You know, if I want to find out something about global fields, I type FileMaker and then I put global and maybe something about it, like you know whatever I want to learn. But maybe you want a general article. Who knows? So it's great about doing that. I mean, that's how I actually learned PHP. I I found by Googling, uh, and I'll tell you the website, is was fruitadvisor.info slash FileMakerPHP. It was a very simple, straightforward tutorial. It told you how to build the basic pages in FileMaker. And I filled in the gaps of knowledge by going to... uh, websites like uh w3 schools i really liked that one and they would, it was just a php only but it would help me to understand some of the other commands i could do and through those two websites i literally built my first php website now i had some experience already doing cdml so i already knew what a dynamic website was and how to to really basically do it so it wasn't that much of a jump but it helped me out a lot and i think you know during you know the day i'm constantly googling to find stuff whether it's you know uh who knows what i mean it just it tons of stuff bugs about filemaker that might be out there knowledge about filemaker things like that that really helped me along the way and again it doesn't replace for that experience but it does help you to to add on to your already existing experience
0: yeah and there's a lot of really good sites and in the description for this podcast will list the sites that you might want to go and look to. So you can just look at them and then click on them.
1: And, it, you know, it's not going to be an exhaustive site, but it'll get you start uh, started. So, you know, you can't, you've got to find out what works for you. Certain people speak to you better than others just because it's their style. But we do have some blogs listed that I think are, are handy to to look at. And, and one of them is mine, philosophyoffilemaker.com. One that I really love, though, is salientconsulting.com. They have so many different developers, such a big company, and they haven't lost their way. They really are able to produce good information, disseminate it, and work like they're a small company. I don't know how they do it. I mean, usually these big companies, they don't care about, you know, sharing their information. They want to hold, but salineconsulting.com, their blog is really good. You've got filemakerhacks.com. There's a lot about JSON on there. That's the big buzzword these days. FMforums.com. It's a, a forum, but they have a security blog on there by Stephen Blackwell, plus a bunch of other blogs. You can go to one place and see all these different blogs and then go directly to them. Uh, Beeswax has a pretty good blog. I've I've gotten a lot of information from them. So it's just beeswax. You'll find it. I think you had one. What was that one? The FileMaker Community College?
0: FileMakerCommunityCollege.com. And it's a video-based website. There's a lot, all the videos that I do are on that site. And they're, yes, they're on YouTube as well, but you can find them all in one place and they're categorized and you can find... A lot of stuff that will really help you.
1: And, you know, there's uh, there's the old school databasepros.com, but I think it's still valid these days. You can download example files in reverse engineering. They're a little different than a blog. You're not just reading. You actually have to look at it and you can try it out and you can look at the script and you can change a little bit. I like that a lot, that whole idea. Now, another thing I constantly do through Google is look up the FileMaker help. I usually want to make sure I'm on the current version, but you can put FileMaker 17 help. I think it goes all the way back maybe to FileMaker 11. I'm not sure what they're releasing what FileMaker's got on their website, but there's there's quite a bit of the helps. And the help is really handy because it tells you a lot of stuff that you can't necessarily get out of a video. Like you might be watching a video and you want to know more about that particular function, maybe the parameters and the details and some of the specifications that you can find on that help. Forums, there's FM forums, like we mentioned, the FileMaker community, which I spend a lot of time. And you don't have to actually participate to get information from them. You can, what I call, you can do what I call lurking. And there's nothing wrong with lurking. It's not peeping or anything. You're just watching what people ask and you go, oh, I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. And you'll see a bunch of experts come on and answer the question so it can really help you out. Hands-on training. Now, hands-on training, in my opinion, is kind of going the way of the book because it's very expensive. You have to pay for the course. You have to usually travel because there's not one local. There's all kinds of things, food and things like that. I think video training is just as good in Yeah, definitely a lot of ways. You don't get to raise your hand and ask a question, but it's a lot less expensive and so you can take a lot more video training in a lot shorter time uh, than going out and doing a hands on training.
0: Yes, but well, you could also you can also attend webinars and sign up for those where you can ask questions. So that's another thing that's worth doing and Farmaker itself or Claris now does a lot of webinars and they're well worth watching i mean sometimes you get nothing out of them but usually you get something and often it it doesn't have to be very much to be very valuable
1: yeah i call those the nuggets of truth you have to dig for them sometimes but when you find me like wow was worth that 45 minutes i spent on that webinar Another thing that's also fairly expensive, but may be really worth your time, at least to try it at least once, is go to the FileMaker Developer Conference. So the one that's coming up in 2020 is August 3rd through the 6th in Nashville, Tennessee and that should be a great event and now don't just go for the sessions in fact i rarely go to the sessions when i go i haven't been in a long time because i've concentrated on i like to stay at home now these days i've gotten older and i don't really want to go out and get on a plane and then get sick on the way back because i always get sick so i've decided not to do those as much but what i did when i went there is the best information you got was when you're sitting down eating lunch or dinner going out at night talking to filemaker people sitting at the bar between a session. Just talking to people is one of the best things because you have a whole bunch of smart people in one area. You might meet somebody who's in the exact same, you know, type of, of business as you. That might be both, uh, you know, working in schools, and you you find a lifelong filmmaker friend. So DevCon can really be a, a great thing. And there's also Pause on Air, which is a, a third-party conference for FileMaker people, which is less commercialized, but a, you know, a, a really great alternative and something you should try also.
0: Now, I am I think I'm correct here that pause on error is really for very experienced developers. It's not for people who are just starting out. It would be just too complicated and too over their head.
1: I, I believe so. I've never actually been to one, but I've seen the pictures and I recognize all the people I'm like, oh, yeah, these are high-end developers, and I can see the courses that they're teaching. Um, in, in DevCon, you know, the FileMaker... Uh, devcon relates more to all levels there are some high end sessions don't get me wrong but they also have medium level and and uh starting out levels and they also have training classes and things like that and so it's definitely more of a uh, you know the devcon is a more polished kind of thing for everybody pause on errors more for the you know the the it at least intermediate for the most part
0: yeah I don't even think that intermediate would um i think it's way above intermediate, John, from what I've seen of the people who are going there and presenting.
1: So let's move on to the FileMaker training series. FileMaker stopped developing it. There is still an archived version for FileMaker 15 on their website. It's easy to find. And it's still valuable. It's still viable. It's still usable because of what we said, FileMaker ideas, don't change that much from each version. You'll get a cool new feature, don't get me wrong, that you can't live without. But the basic constructs of FileMaker really haven't changed at all. It's, and that's what makes it easy to work with. So you might want to look at that on the FileMaker website. There's also the knowledge base. Now, it used to be called Tech Info when I worked at Claris. So that <laughs> tells you how old it is. It's 25 years old. We used to write articles in there. In fact, I know if you go up to the FileMaker.com website, look for the knowledge base, which I believe is under the support menu you're going to see articles that I wrote. They've probably been updated since then, but they're up there. And it's a great thing. I go there all the time to look for the official word from FileMaker. It really can be helpful if you want to refer somebody. Like I often do it when I'm on the the forums. I'll refer somebody to an official FileMaker article so that there's no doubt that it's it's correct. I mean, I guess there could be a chance that it's not correct, but but at least it's officially from FileMaker and the way they stand and view this, this uh this issue or this technique or whatever it might be. Do you ever use knowledge base or? Oh, yes.
0: Very occasionally. I generally have found what I need to do from Google searches. But there are times when I've gone there looking for something specific. And even when you do a Google search, you'll often be referred or pointed to an article on the knowledge base. So it's definitely very useful.
1: There's also a download section on the FileMaker.com website. And there's some interesting stuff. You should peruse that a little bit. For instance, there's product documentation, not only for the current version, but for older versions. There's white papers. There's technical briefs. There's stuff on XML and, and example files. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. It's not just about the, the updaters. You have to scroll all the way past all the updaters they have at the downloads page. And you'll see at the bottom, they have all this technical information that you can you can get. And so it's worth taking a look at it. I mean, it's worth looking at every single page on the FileMaker.com webpage, because you, it's always changing. You never know it's there and you can get lots of good information there. Now, a mentor. We've talked about this before. I believe you're mentoring a gentleman right now. Um, It's not always an opportunity or a chance for you to get a mentor, but I found the FileMaker market is very giving. And if you're not abusing that mentorship and you're, you're getting help from this person, I think people are generally like to help people in the file maker market. And if you have a mentor, they can point you in the right direction. They can say, you know what, I'm trying to develop a a many-to-many relationship and I just don't know how to do it. They may have that that link to something that will really teach you how to do or might give you a a you know a piece of information that'll help you get past that that roadblock that you're at. Okay. And one of the ways you can get experience before Building your ideal solution is to build solutions for free. You might build something for your church. You might build something for your friend, maybe at a very low cost, just to get the experience. You might build something for a hobby that you have. It's a lot of possibilities to get that experience. You don't have to just immediately go into the FileMaker market. You can get that experience by building stuff for other people and. You know, basically help yourself get to a higher level?
0: Yeah, the one thing that I will stress is don't let yourself be taken advantage of. Um, one of the things that really irritates me is these non-profits who plead poverty and hope that you will give them a discounted rate. But if you'd look into and do some research on the non-profit, the CEO or the chief executive officer who runs it is getting paid enormous amounts of money. So a non-profit doesn't mean they don't make money. A non-profit simply means that at the end of the year, they've spent all of the money that they've brought in. That's what a non-profit is. So they're not all poverty-stricken. They're not all hard, hard up. So don't be conned by somebody who claims that, oh, we're doing a good thing and we're not making any money.
1: And the last thing I want to mention is ways to get your knowledge of FileMaker up to a level where you can program the solution for your company may not be possible for most people. It only really may be possible if somebody who has a full-time, doesn't have a full-time job. But I want to mention it. You could become a junior programmer or contractor with an established firm. And you could work at night. I mean, there's no reason why you can't develop some some small to medium solutions with a couple hours every night. If, if you're not married and, and you don't have a lot of things to do and you want to get you know out of your current job or, or you want to you you just improve your skills so you can you know, do a better job at the job you're at, you can really work as a junior program and work at nighttime. And, and it happens quite a bit. I remember working with somebody who was a farmer during the day. And a FileMaker programmer at night. It was the funniest thing. But you know, those things are possible. That's one of the things that you can do with FileMaker. It's got that flexibility of you being able to get the information and work at your own hours. And so that may just help you get to where you want to be so you can help your company. Maybe you're the owner, or you can you maybe you're your you're says, hey, we're gonna have to build a solution, go get some experience. Don't just rely on videos and books and things like that. Try to get a a job on the side and you can really, that's the way to get that knowledge. That's really the best way is the school of hard knocks, as as Michael says.
0: You know, it's a very good point. And I'm just going to go back and, and just finish this conversation off with one thing. In a million years, I never thought that I would be developing FileMaker solutions professionally for 33 years. If you had made me a bet that I wouldn't be or that I would be, I would have taken the odds on this because it never occurred to me that that's what I would end up doing professionally for most of my life.
1: I'd have to agree with you on that one. I didn't plan on doing this. It just kind of uh, landed in my lap, essentially. I remember you know, getting tired of working at technical support because it is a is a it is a taxing job talking to people and some of them are yelling at you because they don't see you as a person. It gets taxing after a while. So I wanted to do something fresh and new. Went to work for ISO Productions, you know, did some stuff in FileMaker. And then when we wrote Scriptology, I pretty much had no choice but to go into business for myself because everybody said they wanted to hire me. So it worked out great for me. I did not plan it that way. But hopefully with our stories here you can plan out your career with filemaker a little bit better even if you're an in-house developer it i would still consider it a career cuz a lot of in-house developers have actually become full-time developers on their own so it it you can really build up some knowledge and get to where you want to go
0: yeah absolutely
1: so just remember just to summarize what we talked about if you're going to develop a solution in-house you can either hire somebody you always have to consider that or you could build it yourself. And if you build it yourself, just remember that it's going to take a lot of investment of time and, and keep that in mind and weigh that against actually hiring somebody who has already invested that time and may be able to do a better job than you and allow you to actually work on the stuff that you're better at doing rather than taking your time off of you know running your business because you it, it could suffer. So you don't want to be constantly adding features and working on it. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. It all depends on a lot of things. So just consider both these points when you go out there and we're going to start doing a job for your company. Is it better that I do it or is it better that we hire somebody else?
0: Yeah, and don't don't be intimidated by saying this is not what I'm good at. I mean, people are afraid to say that, but if you don't know how to do something and you don't really want to spend the time learning it because it's a one-off then maybe you have to be honest and just say that I'm not comfortable doing this and see what happens.
1: Yep. So hopefully this podcast will help you out. Maybe there's a few nuggets of truth inside here that will help you get going to the direction you want to go. So my name is John Mark Osborne.
0: And I'm Michael Rashad. It's been a pleasure talking to you, John.
1: Yes, and you as well. And and we're hopefully you're listening. And please please give us feedback, uh, ideas for future podcasts. Again, this podcast came from a listener and I think it's a very important podcast to have done. So we're happy to have heard from. So don't hold back. We may not do your podcast, but give us ideas. We're always hoping to help and do what you guys want to, you know, what you want to hear. We're trying to develop, you know, interesting topics and you can help us to do that. Absolutely. I'm
0: Michael Rashad.
1: And again, I'm John Mark
0: Osborne. Thanks for listening to Fireside FileMaker. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Fireside FileMaker, a podcast with John Mark Osborne and Michael Richard. We'd love to hear what you think. So please email us at info at firesidefilemaker.com. That's info at firesidefilemaker.com. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.